right, we're getting to the experts now. I start with in the studio here at uh, Broadcast House. I've got Mark Michelson, chairman of the Asia CEO Forum with IMA Asia. Good morning, Mark. Morning, Andrew. Oh, it was awesome to have you on the show. We've also got on the line uh, Ben Emmons, the principal and senior portfolio manager at New Edge Wealth. Good morning, Ben. Good morning. Thank you for having us. Fantastic. Guys, let's get right into it. Big news over the weekend. Uh, you know, like I said, working for the weekend. The, uh, those hardworking Chinese uh, bureaucrats, technocrats, uh, lawmakers. Uh, Mark, what, what's your take on the, the, uh, the big news over the weekend? Were, were there any surprises in this or was it all pretty much what was expected? Well, I, I wasn't too surprised. The 5% was sort of signaled way in advance. And, you know, whether that's that's a that's a uh, reasonable number or not it clearly it's right in sort of in the middle of what what many many people are forecasting um it's a really important two sessions of mm-hmm. course because what happens is it's it's every 10 years there's a reshuffling the state council of the cabinet and the ministries under the state council and that's going to happen and people matter to some extent yes mm-hmm. they continue along but it, it matters a lot what what we have to look at in terms of the growth, and I'm sure uh, you'll hear about this. Other things, there are larger structural issues, and mm-hmm. they include con- consumption. And this is supposedly the year of consumption for China. The government has declared it that. Yeah. But so far, it hasn't been coming back. It's not yet. Uh, there's there's slow income growth. There's elevated un- unemployment, which has been taking place, especially among younger people. And of course, the property market, which we've talked about many times on Money Talk. Doesn't mean the Chinese economy isn't going to grow. It is going to grow more substantially than last year, almost certainly. But five percent probably isn't such an outlandish number. Yeah, and I mean, uh, you know, you you bring the property market into this, and they said they, they want to control disorderly expansion. I mean, that doesn't sound like they're encouraging. I mean, they, they've done a lot to try and prop it up recently, but it doesn't sound like they're still convinced that they want to help out the property market. Yeah, they're not sure what the, how much they want to do. It it seems at least that's a signal. They're may, probably going to have to intervene a little bit more than they expect, and they are going to take the, the both the party and and the government is going to take a, a more. Uh, more active role in the financial area as well. And that's been clear from, from what's been signaled so far. And we'll find out more details in the next week or so. Yeah, Ben, Ben, who's, uh, who's getting helped and who's getting hurt in this one in, in, by sector? Yeah, I think the, uh, the breakdown there between defense uh, spending, for example, which is, which is you know, projected to be higher uh, against, you know, Less spending to infrastructure, right? With this cap on on local bond issuance, uh, even though that they set actually the actual target on on fiscal spending a little bit higher than a year ago, so you, you expect you get some sort of expansionary fiscal policy, but with the focus more on defense spending. And I thought that stood out because obviously there's this, there's also geopolitics around this, right? And uh, given the nature of uh, tension around Taiwan and the support of uh, China to Russia, and you name it. So I think that's being noted, obviously, in the West of what will happen from here. The, uh, there are some indices on this. So, you know, Goldman publishes a, uh, a China defense index, really tracking Chinese defense-type uh, companies, and that's actually been outperforming the U.S. defense stocks. So, you know, I guess people are, are looking at this carefully. Yeah, I mean, I to be honest, I haven't uh, we haven't talked a lot in the show about Chinese defense stocks and who, who would be in that index. Uh, and is it are they straight up defense companies that are directly supplying uh, weapons, or is it companies that are also supplying the uh, the manufacturers? 
Yeah, it's more more that more the suppliers uh, to manufacturers that, that seem to be in that index. Um, I guess what what you deal with here too is that that because of this, of the changes in in um, supply chain uh, politics that we've we been going through now between U.S. and China, uh, you know, there's more money put behind uh, China. I think China Tech and China Supply to the to defense companies. And, and therefore, these companies have, have obviously been bolstered by spending, and I think this is what the market's picked up on. So, it's an interesting development. I, I, you know, I'm not sure what to make of it in terms of like the bigger picture. You know, because people, you know, let's not talk about war here, right? Mm. <laughs> but more about the markets. You know, you know, ultimately, markets. You know, look where companies are getting money and and are supported by governments, right? And this is a sector that seems to be the case. Yeah, I mean, you don't want to talk about war, but I mean, we call it the defense sector, but sometimes it is also the attack sector. <laughs> it's a bit of a, yeah. bit of a pretty, pretty name that we put on it. Um, Mark, are the, are the markets, you know, as, as the U.S. and China are decoupling, do these political announcements matter more for deciding where you want to put your money in different sectors? Because, uh, you know, so China says they're spending more in defense. It's going to go to China-related companies. Does that mean that you should be more focused on the China markets? Yeah, I, I've, it, it obviously does, and you know this couples with the geopolitical aspects as well. With the with the U.S. in particular putting more restraints on China, mm-hmm. and now this is focusing on especially U.S. investment, in both financial and and in, in infrastructure investment into China, and you know sp- focusing in on PE and VC and semiconductors, quantum computing. Our AI and various other areas, but you know, depending on what happens in Ukraine, and you mentioned Ukraine, mm. uh, this could this could amplify and significantly cause cause some real issues. We hope it doesn't, but clearly, uh, companies, both in terms of what they want to do in China and and in the rest of the region, have mm. to th- rethink their their uh, priorities. Yeah, the rest of the region has a new name now. Uh, the Economist, our, I think Mark, Mark Mark and I, our old employer. Um, the, uh, the Economist has coined the term Alt-Asia yeah. and put out a report this weekend describing 14 countries that combined have similar manufacturing and, and trade prowess compared to China. Like, no one does by itself, but 14 combined maybe. Uh, is this, is this going to catch on? Is, I, I... Yeah, our members, our members, you know, the famous China plus one or plus two or whatever yeah. is part of what they're doing. Most of them are not leaving China. In fact, they're trying to find ways to be more competitive in China and in various different sectors, but at the same time diversifying. Some, some has been, have been doing this for some time, especially in in areas like garments and textiles. Mm-hmm. Uh, others are are moving ahead, and of course, you you mentioned Foxconn, Apple, yeah. their their partner, and and others have been doing this, but still pretty small because, yeah, combine there they may may reach it, but that's not what you do, right? You don't yeah. combine, and there's no. No area that that uh, that that reaches China's expertise and ecosystems. Yeah. Ecosystems are all weaker in the other countries, in India and Vietnam and and elsewhere. So mm. you have to you have to make you have to make adjustments for that. Yeah, Ben. Uh, you know, companies used to get a stock boost and would would always include something in their annual reports or their AGM about about their China strategy, and that that was you know a way they were they would get a little bit of a bump in their stock. Um, is the opposite starting to happen? Are companies getting a bump in their stock by diversifying out of China? Is that now seen as a, as a smart thing by investors? I think the results on that are quite mixed. You know, like, so on, on the macro level, you know, the relationship between China and the U.S. has only strengthened economically, right? The trade data that will yeah. come out this yeah. week on Wednesday will show 
further widening of the trade deficit with China. So there's a fair bit of commerce and trade happening. I think if you drill into earnings, obviously people have always watched Apple and Tesla as one of the, the key uh, benchmarks for uh, for China business because of the sales that they're having in, in in China and the production that happens in China and has been you know shoring away from it and as you know there's a there's an executive order in the work to try to curb at least some of the investment uh, particularly when it comes to semiconductors right because of the Chips Act they don't want companies to invest in Chinese uh, chips. On the other hand, they don't really want to curb all the investment flow either. They know that we can't really completely decouple this relationship, especially not overnight. If anything, it's just more of a political statement that part of the presidential campaign that it's actually economically feasible. And so I think, you know, it's not necessarily that the companies in the United States, but their earnings report recently you know, saw a movement in the stock up or down because of China is much more related to domestic inflation here, how it can be passed on continuously and that margins are, are, are being sustained or not. And I think that was most of the price action of the last few weeks supposed to China news. Mm, yeah, Mark? The, one of my uh, friends, longtime friends and colleague, Professor Helmut Schutte, just wrote a column in the South China Morning Post on this very subject, mm. and he sort of compared the situation with Russia. And he said, "Look at how much trouble Western multinationals had trying to uh, trying to exit from Russia, a much smaller economy. Yeah. Just think of the complications of trying to do even something." Right. Did that they did similar. they have a lot of trouble? I mean, it just seemed like in the, over the space of a week after the war with the Ukraine started, everyone's like, "All they, right, we're out of here." They I mean, left, but they had, had they then had trouble uh, cleaning up what they left and, you know, trying sure. to, to trying to put them elsewhere and all the rest of it. Mm-hmm. It was pretty complicated for a lot of them. And, of course, China is much more complex, and most companies don't want to leave. Yeah. Most yeah. Western companies. So the, the this decoupling happening at the political level, uh, over the weekend, a couple of uh, news reports out of the United States. First of all, they had the big CPAC conference, which is the big kind of religious right where, you know, Republican hopefuls have to go and pay homage. Uh, although, although there's suggestions that influence may be waning, but uh, they were they were really down on U.S. tech companies once again, given the social media giants a beating. Uh, but separately, another senator was proposing to ban TikTok entirely from America. Uh, I mean, Mark, where where are we going on this front? Yeah, I well, there's it's a bipartisan issue, yeah. and you, publicly you don't hear much pushback. Mm. So, I think there will be a. Other measures. This isn't, you know, even though it was an issue as you said, CPAC, it doesn't it doesn't affect elections for the most part. Mm-hmm. But nonetheless, nobody at this point or no major politician seems to want to be caught out on this issue. So we're going to see some a lot of activity, and some of it may actually affect us. That's the issue. Yeah, Ben, uh, do you see tech companies taking taking a beating in the U.S. Uh, either either the American social media companies, uh, you know, if the Republicans you know, are, are ascendant or for Chinese tech companies trying to operate in America? I think the latter more than, than the former, um, mm. partly because I think some of the, the, the issues around the heat and the former President Trump's ban on social media has now been sort of resolved, right? So, so that plays less of a role. It's more about the Chinese companies operating in the U.S. and more constraints on those companies, if, it, if anything, to requirements for, for accounting standards or more scrutiny on what exactly they're doing here in terms of particularly quantum and uh, artificial intelligence, right, and how that gets transferred back to China, that, that the intellectual property. I think the other uh, things that are going on is that 
um, you know, in terms of technology, the, um, the the technology companies itself are not in good shape. A lot of them have had big IPOs in the past. You're talking about like mid-sized you know, smaller companies that, that were listed in, in the boom of 2020-2021. They're really burning through cash as a result of the layoff companies. And that has really been a bigger issue here, um, both for the sector as well as for, for the economy. You know, most of the layoffs have taken place so far in tech. I think that's more of a focus there if it becomes more wider spread and that I think will, will get attention again in political circles. At the end, you know, Google and, and, and uh, Microsoft and Apple, the companies will continue to be affected by politics in terms of their monopolistic approach to, to uh, different markets, right? And that's been ongoing, uh, these, these antitrust uh, cases. Um, but it has so far not really, I think, the re- has been the reason why these companies have had underperformed in the last year or so, um, really because their values were just simply too inflated from the pandemic and it was more of a fact of interest rates than of regulation at this point. So, But in the case that we're getting a, let's say, completely red wave in Washington again, White House and, and the House and, and, and the Senate is totally Republican, you could potentially see some more measures and action taken against big tech. That's something in the future, I think, in a few years from now. Okay, Mark, I'm going to give you the final, the final word here as we head towards the, uh, the half-hour news. Well, I just want to mention one thing. You mentioned Korea and Japan, yeah, yeah which yeah. has been a fraught relationship, not just recently, but for a thousand years or so, <laughs> uh, for a while. There does seem to be some movement for the first time in years. Uh, Mr. Yoon, President Yoon, is a little bit seems a little bit more flexible than his predecessor, President Moon, mm-hmm. and and also from the Japanese side, Kishida uh, also looks to be looking for a way forward. They still are allies effectively, but mm-hmm. at the same time, they haven't been cooperating. If they did, it would make things a lot a lot easier economically and politically in the region. Yeah, I mean, I guess we're going to get into uh, more details. Uh, I'm just wondering why Japan is being... Is, is Japan... Do you think there's a, a shift in thinking in Japan in particular? I th- I think there's probably a, a little bit. We'll see what happens, what the reaction is to this sort of outreach by, uh, by, by the Korean president. All right, we're going to get into it more later in the show with uh, Peter Kim from KB Securities with our view from Korea. Uh, but at the moment, I'd like to thank Mark Michelson, Chairman Asia CEO Forum and I Am Asia, and Ben Eamons, Principal Senior Portfolio Manager at New Edge Wealth. Thank you very much to both of you for joining us today on Money Talk, gentlemen.